Hello, and welcome back to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. As always, it is your host, Nick Sararis, and as promised today, Tampa Bay Lightning episode. One of my new hockey friends, Shelby, came on to talk about the Lightning, unpack a little bit of where that team is at based on winning the last two Stanley Cups. A lot of discourse about how arduous the journey was to get to those two championships, what it's like to watch your favorite players get old in front of you and then finally get to climb that mountain. It was a really good conversation. It was really nice to have her on. But before we get to today's show, got to talk about the stuff with the Blackhawks. Got to take care of the housekeeping. So for the introduction here, before we talk about the lightning, before we talk about hockey, we got to talk about the panel the Blackhawks had. The embarrassment that... Rocky Wirtz made of himself and the Blackhawks casually dismissing a fair question from Mark Lazarus of The Athletic asking what the Blackhawks have done to change things, to make sure what happened in 2010 to Kyle Beach will never happen again, how they can move forward in a safe and healthy way as an organization. And Wirtz yelled at him and made an ass of himself and that team later released a very meek statement but like i said on yesterday's episode where i was talking about brian flores and the nfl it's the same thing in the nhl unless the owners want change there will be no change radio silence from gary bettman in the league office about what happened at that blackhawks event radio silence there's a good chance gary bettman not going to be getting a question about this at All-Star Weekend. And the NHL is going to make sure they're friendly places. I'm looking at you, Sportsnet and TSN and ESPN and TNT. Don't talk about this for any more than a day or two. By Monday, it will be the highlights from the Breakaway Challenge and the event in the Bellagio Fountain and the Blackjack game where we're going to watch hockey players try and count to 21. All of these things that make for the NHL's ability to get away with this. And that's what they're looking for. It's a lot easier for the league to just take it on the chin for a couple of days and then flood their friendly media sources with hockey content to just let everybody go about their business. And that's what the NFL is hoping will happen with Brian Flores. It's what the NHL did with the Blackhawks the first time around, trying with all, all of the ego and hubris of out-of-touch rich people that, okay, we fired the people who were involved in 2010, so that's at the end of the story, instead of talking about how they're going to make sure it doesn't happen again. Until we get people who are invested in institutional change in charge of the institutions, nothing will change, unfortunately. I could not do a hockey episode without talking about that first. I know... Everybody doesn't want to spend their time dealing with these complicated and difficult issues that are uncomfortable, but these are part of the sports world, and pretending they don't exist is not right. Just It's flat out nothing more than that. It's not right to just ignore that these things are happening because there is a sport. The sport matters, yeah. What happens to the people playing it is more important than the sport itself. What happened to Kyle Butch can never happen again. The NHL cannot ever allow something like that to happen ever again, period. 
And the NHL doesn't seem to carry the same fervor I do about the subject. Okay. I will probably end up doing a more thorough episode about this topic some point down the road. But for now, please, please, please subscribe to the show. Whatever podcasting platform you like to use, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, all the major platforms were available there. If you're using Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave a review. Apple Podcasts, once you've subscribed, you scroll past our recent episodes. There's five clear purple stars at the bottom of the page. You hit the one furthest to the right, five-star review. Spotify, it's at the top, underneath the show's logo. Once you've subscribed, you have to listen to a few episodes before you can leave a star review. But once you do that, leave a five-star review. And if you're feeling nice, which I hope you are, go on Apple Podcasts. Once you've subscribed... Once you've left a five-star review, underneath that is a button with purple letters that says write a review. Please, please, please leave a written review. Your content creator friends really appreciate reviews. I know it seems tedious and, like, what's the point? It helps us out a lot. Please, please, please leave a review. I will see you guys on the other side of the drop with Shelby, and we're going to talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning. St. Louis puts the hit on. Leopold in the corner, got it out of there. Moved it up the wall. Pelomar went down. Taylor the shot. Redirected. Score! Game 7! Montana St. Louis! We are going back to Tampa Bay! And with that, I welcome on one of my fellow Swifty hockey heads to talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning. She writes and produces content for Five Tool Mooks. How are we doing, Shelbs? I am good. Thank you for having me, Nick. Absolutely. It, I like doing this around this time of the year in the hockey calendar, right around the All-Star break, the midway point, kind of take stock on where everybody is, where all the different teams are. Had a few over the last couple of weeks, got three next week. So as the two-time defending cup champions, are you just kind of at this point with whatever happens, happens, I don't care at this point. Um, I wish I could say that, but those who are truly hungry are never satisfied. Okay. And uh, yeah, we're going for three. We're going for the three peat baby for sure. Um, it's it's gonna happen. I'm positively manifesting it. Definitely. Okay. okay. So let's start with where I usually start with when I'm getting to feel someone out on the podcast. What are your earliest sports memories? What's your relationship with sports been in your life? Um, so sports has always been a huge thing for me. My mom was a crunchy mom and she did not really allow us to watch TV except for sports. So of course, you know, a kid who wants screen time, sports were my outlet. And growing up in Tampa Bay during kind of the height of our first championship run in 2003 and 2004 with the Bucks and the Lightning, I was about seven years old. So that was a really good time to get into it. And uh, my core memory, I would say, like the first moment where I was like, oh, my God, sports was in game six of the 2004 Stanley Cup final against the Calgary Flames and Marty St. Louis double overtime game winner. Uh, that kind of catapulted me to where I am today. And ever since then, I've been just a junkie and I love this stuff and I love talking about it. How would you say being a fan of a team in a non-traditional market like Tampa is the lightning are with hockey has impacted your relationship with hockey? Or is it just kind of not really been a thing for you? Because it really depends on the individual person and the market because I had a friend on last week to talk about the hurricanes and the hurricanes have kind of leaned into the fact they're a non-traditional market. For the lightning, it's been a little bit different. What's your experience been? So I think for me, 
as far as being in a non-traditional market, the biggest impact of that was not having the opportunity to play that sport gotcha. growing up. There are not a lot of hockey rinks in Tampa and it's, and it's and a very expensive sport if you want to play it. So for me, I've always been interested in hockey. I've always wanted to play it, but I was kind of limited to street hockey, roller hockey, things like that. So that was kind of, I think, the biggest effect of that. Now that I'm a big girl with a big adult job, I can pay for those things. And I've started playing hockey and I really, really enjoy it. And it's awesome. But definitely that's that's a part of being in a non-traditional market. You don't have those kind of youth programs and kind of the development things from a young age. What made you want to do content with sports as well? Um, I always felt like I had all of this knowledge in my head that was just like a fun party trick and I wasn't getting <laughs> to use it. And I think all my friends and family were like kind of tired of hearing me ramble. So they were like, hey, maybe you should put this towards something constructive. So I did. And I, it really is a nice outlet. I get to get all of this out. Yeah, you're preaching to the choir. I definitely understand that whole mindset of everybody in your friend group is tired of you talking about things that happened 15 years ago that you remember for some reason. I definitely can empathize with that. Right, like stop yelling into the void and, and put it out somewhere. <laughs> yeah, no, my friends, when we're all in the same place and we're watching hockey, they're watching me watch hockey. Like the just the constantly moving my head, following where the puck is going, yelling at the TV, that kind of the performance of watching hockey because it's, it's impulsive. You can't control it. If you're sitting there watching hockey and you're just not reacting, are you really watching? What I love though, and I don't know if this is true for you, Nick, I've like converted people. Like, I feel like yes. I've been like a preacher standing on the street, getting people to come to church because I have turned so many of my friends onto hockey and, and watching the lightning that are not even associated. They're not even from Tampa. They've never been there, but they're so invested now because I, I guess I'm just magnetic with, you know, the way I produce content, but it's just, I, I feel like I've, con I've done some conversion therapy and gotten some hockey fans. What I've found is bringing people to a hockey game is a really good way for people who don't have any relationship with hockey to get into it. Like I brought one of my friends to see the Capitals play the Devils like two or three years ago and just to go to a hockey game on a weeknight. And he was like, yeah, that was awesome. That's a lot better than going to a football game, going to a basketball game. Hockey in person is amazing. Oh, for sure. It's electric. It's so fast. Yeah. It's so much faster That's than, the it, thing. than it seems on the TV too. So now that we've kind of gotten out the uh, the icebreaker portion of the podcast, now we can actually start talking about the Lightning themselves. At what point during the last 10-year window or so was your, is this ever going to happen for you? Because they had a number of good opportunities to make a run to the cup final, made a couple of conference finals, but never really scratched through. Or were you always just, it's going to happen someday, I know it's going to happen. I, I, this is killing me, but I know it's going to happen someday. God, there's just so many moments, right? Like there's 2015, the backbreaker yeah. against Chicago, Tyler Johnson being injured, Ben Bishop, all of that happening. Then you have the year we lost to Washington in the conference finals in a very, very tightly contested series. And then you have 2019, right? And everybody wants to talk about 2019. I'm tired of talking about it, but it's it's part of the context. It's part of the context yeah. of this group that went on to win two Stanley Cups. This was their catalyst moment, being swept in the first round by the Blue Jackets after winning the President's Trophy. Was there ever a moment where I thought it was never going to happen? 
I don't know. It's hard to say now as, as I yeah. have back-to-back championships, I I'm just a positive person in general. So I don't think I was ever going to give up. I was never going to say, I will never see this in my lifetime, but I wanted it really badly for this group, especially these, these core players who we've had for so long since they were 18 years old, like Steven Stamkos and Victor Hedman. I wanted it for them. So it's, it's been really, really fun the past few years to see them reach the top of the mountain. As somebody whose team went through the dramatic teardown and rebuilding process, that's what I've kind of been trying to remind myself is that the Lightning drafted Stamkos in 2008, they drafted Hedman in 2009, and they didn't win a championship for 10 years. And that's okay. That It's not a linear process. Not every team goes on the same path. But like you said before, all of those playoff losses accumulating, the seasoning on those teams, like in 2015, they were a nice story. They beat the Rangers, they go to the final, but everybody kind of expected the Blackhawks to win that series. That was the third cup in five years, but that was the, okay, this team is for real. They probably need to tweak the roster a little bit, one or two additions, subtractions, figure out exactly the right mix, but they're heading in the right direction. Then they have the year where Ben Bishop gets hurt and Vasilevsky kind of takes over the role. They trade Ben Bishop to the Kings, which I forgot until I went on to his hockey reference today. And then they have that one year that's kind of meh, they traded Druin for Sergachev, and then they A pivotal really start- move, by the way. Yes. That was a pivotal move. Yes. It's really crazy when you think about it, because I went through all of the draft classes doing prep for this, and just all of these guys are homegrown for the most part. They That is probably the thing, aside from the Cups, because that's obviously the most easiest thing to preface it with that's the thing i'm most jealous of you guys have the best infrastructure in the league everybody you draft and develop turns out to be pretty good like i remember in 2015 being like well tyler johnson palat and kucherov are just going to ruin my life the rest of my existence no idea that Braden point is alive no idea that andre vasilevsky is going to be one of the five best goalies in the league every year and just it goes to show how how much you can do without ever actually being on the team already. The guys I'm talking about playing in the AHL, the Syracuse Crunch, or a farm, a great farm system where everybody who goes through there, I just keep waiting for the um, the Matthew Joseph game or the Ross Colton game, and just everybody you guys turn out is so good. It's like hitting the lottery like 30 <laughs> times, honestly. It's unbelievable. It really is. It's a testament definitely to the farm system, to the development. I, I think especially Yanni Gord, yeah. the way that's he one I didn't came even up. Mention. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, he's then taken in the expansion draft because of how good he is. And he's he seemed irreplaceable, I think, to a lot of Tampa fans, which is why it was so hard to see him go. But yeah, Palat, Kucherov, all, all these people that really were not on the radar, you know, when they went through the draft and and they are now staples and, and even people, you know, who are maybe not going to be on the team next year because they have earned their money, similar to Goodrow, who is now your boy. And congratulations on that. I don't know what your feelings are on him. We can get into that later, but yeah, these guys are are playing out of our salary cap because they're so good. I mean, yeah, that was the thing. Like I going into the playoffs last year, I went through, I was looking why shouldn't Tampa just go back to back? Like I look, looking at all 16 teams that qualified for the playoffs last year. I'm like, what is stopping Tampa from going back to back? And I'm like, they played, they won a cup already with Stamkos playing like two shifts in the entire cup run. I think 
even if they have one, two injuries, they'll be fine. And it kind of seems like everybody was just ready for it to be either Colorado, to be Vegas. And everybody, I don't want to say overlooked Tampa, because a lot of people were curious to see what kind of shape Kucherov would be in without having played an entire regular season and then just going right into the postseason. But it sounds weird to say about a team that clearly had the most talent. I mean, they were $100 million of players last year, and it still kind of felt like everybody's like, all right, they had their moment. Colorado or Vegas is going to win this year. Yeah, and I think part of that was that during last year's shortened season, we were very injury plagued. Like yeah. we were missing almost we, we didn't have a full lineup, I don't think, from February to May. Yeah. On top of that, we had Hedman playing injured yeah. for most of that season. Stamkos was battling a knee injury. Um, and our record really wasn't, I mean, it was good enough to get into the playoffs, but the Florida Panthers kicked our ass quite a few times during the regular season and going into that first series against them. I wouldn't say that we were, I think we were the favorite maybe in Vegas gambling odds in that series, but I I don't think anybody was looking at us thinking we're going to steamroll our way to the finals, especially with teams like Carolina and Florida in our way and the Islanders. I mean, I know they've fallen off now, but they, they were very good. Last year was such it was such a weird season because of the division alignment and who was playing who. But I going in the Florida series, I was everybody. The thing I thought going into that series was Florida is good, but no one on that team has really any playoff experience. And the ones that do, it was five or six years ago when they lost to the Islanders in the first round. And Tampa's been through the wars already. And that is part of that experience you have to have to be a real contender. Teams don't go in cold the first time in a few years and win a cup. It's just not the way it works in the league anymore, where Tampa had all of those series where they had to go through all of those traumatic experiences to be able to grow and learn. Think about it with Washington, with the Blues, these teams that repeatedly came up short more than once. And that's part of this process now. And it's easy to get impatient, but just in talking to you and picking up some of the energy you're giving off, you got to think about the bigger picture a little bit more. It's not just, yes, losing in the playoffs is one of the most miserable things you can experience as a hockey fan, but that's part of the process of winning a championship. Yeah. Success is how high you bounce after you hit rock bottom. That's my like favorite quote. And that's how I felt like the Columbus series ended up just shooting us to the moon, like a cryptocurrency. It it really was one of those moments that you just, they took it. They could have, they really could have folded and said, we're going to let this beat us. And they, they didn't, they used it. They used that, that feeling and it got them two cups. So got to say it was probably worth it. So in this context of that bounce and changing things ever so slightly, I'm still of the opinion that, the importance of the additions they made, whether it be Savard, Goudreau, Blake Coleman, those were the putting them over the top moves. I still think even if they only add one or two of those guys as opposed to all of them, they still probably win at least one, if not two of those. Would you disagree with me or would you agree? Would, do you think the third line as it got constructed was the most important piece for them? Or do you just think it was just a matter of we get enough bounces over time, one of these times we're going to finally win? Oh, no, I totally agree with you. That third line was special. It yeah. it has been very hard to replace them. I think we've done a pretty good job 
with the addition of Pierre-Edouard Belmare and um, Matthew Joseph coming onto the pen penalty kill, different players like that. Corey Perry has been a really fun addition, but the energy that that storied third line brought, it, it was something you can't really replicate. And so as we gear up for this next cup run, statistically, you know, we seem like we're headed towards another playoff run. Um, I don't think it's going to be about replacing that, but like you said, finding a different way to win yeah. and hopefully we'll be able to do that. But yeah, I miss, I miss that third line. I miss Goody. I miss Coleman and I really miss Gord. He was a really fun player to watch. The thing that makes Tampa so difficult to play against is that they can play multiple styles that they are comfortable with. A lot of teams, they only have the talent, the personnel to play one particular way. And if it doesn't work for them, they have a hard time. Tampa last year, you saw it in their playoff series. Against Florida, wide open, tons of space, every game, six or seven goals. A little bit more chaotic, a little bit more physical against Carolina, where both teams are just going to dump and chase, try and out forecheck you. Those games were lower scoring. Against the Islanders, that was a rock fight. Every game, 2-1, to 3-2, to two, really close. And then in the cup final against Montreal, similarly, same type of, we're going to try and ground you into a pulp. There's not a lot of teams that can play multiple styles the way Tampa can. Yeah, I totally agree. The ability to shut other teams down defensively definitely was the difference maker in a lot of those playoff games. Because like you said, we can put up four or five goals a game, but it's the ability to shut things down defensively that'll carry you through and actually get you the win. But yeah, I keep telling me all these great things about the lightning. I, I really, you could tell me it for like two hours. I'll just sit here and listen. This is what I always end up doing when I have people on whose teams I'm jealous of. Like I had one of my friends on who, who's been doing penguin stuff forever. And I'm just like, I'd like to have the best player in the league for 15 years. That'd be very nice. That would be good for my mental health. Instead. Dude, I, I, I gotta tell you though, I really like the Rangers and it's, not for any other reason other than an NHL 22. I got drafted to the Rangers as part of my, <laughs> my player career that I was doing career mode and I was, you know, learning from Artemi Panarin. And I was like, oh, these guys seem pretty cool. But uh, no, you got Mika. I mean, you you guys have half our team has for sure. Our team has good vibes. We're still trying to figure out the hockey part of it. We're getting there. We're getting there. We got the goalie figured out. We got the Norris defenseman. We've got Mika. We got the vibes figured out. Now we just got to put the hockey with it. And then we're in good shape. There, I don't expect anything from the Rangers this year is what I'll say. I don't. I make the playoffs, maybe win around, but they got to lose a little bit these are mostly children listen, like my team is literally children but you have the goaltending and that is yes. one of the most important things in the playoffs i think one of the reasons why the carolina hurricanes and the florida panthers and honestly the islanders struggled so much against us is because if you don't have one goalie you can rely on you have none if you're yeah. switching back and forth between spencer knight and bob because you're getting blown out in one game like there's just no consistency there but if you have a guy like igor or vazzy who you can yeah. trust every single night you have a chance vazzy is so fun to watch he, he's so lanky it's there are certain goalies where you can tell why they're good at playing goalie vasilevsky is one of them Dude, his crazy eyes are something else. They, <laughs> he He's just hilarious. He always looks like he is like off of two lines of coke, ready to go. Just incredibly focused. 
You have to be a little crazy to be a goalie. I think that's <laughs> oh, a requisite sure. to play that position, though. I don't think there are any normal people who play goalie. You got to be a little bit off for that to be your position. I'd agree for sure. So, in terms of this season, you mentioned some of the changes they had to figure out, refigure out that third line. They bring in Corey Perry. You promote Matthew Joseph from being that thirteenth forward to semi regular. How do you feel about how the team has fared in the first half of the season? They're sitting in second in their division. They're only three points behind Florida. Florida has played one more game than you guys. So how's the first half just gone for you feeling-wise? Or at this point, are you just get me to the playoffs and then I'll worry about it? Um, I think I feel pretty good considering the injuries. We played like almost a quarter of the season without our two leading goal scorers and Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov and yeah. we went into the Christmas break as, as the top team. Um, overall, it, the big concern for me is the defensive injuries. We mm-hmm. ha- are, are missing defensemen constantly. This is another year where we have not had a full roster except for two games and it, it, everyone just has to get healthy at the right time, obviously. So it's kind of like, yeah, I am waiting for the playoffs. Um, but our division is so tight. I mean, yeah. Florida, Toronto, I mean, these teams are are playing at a very high level. And of course, regular season, you know, you never, I, I'm a big proponent of, I don't ever want to see the president's trophy again. You can, you can keep it over there. I don't care. I don't want it. Just, just let's get into the playoffs and see where the chips lie. But this division is very competitive and the way these playoffs are structured, we are going to be playing a good team in the first round more than likely. So yeah, a little nerve wracking, but overall I feel pretty good. They're a fun team to watch. Uh, they they truly are. They're one of the teams where if they're playing, I will more than likely throw them on. The the ESPN Plus folding in hockey into it is terrific where I'm able to watch Tampa, I'm able to watch Toronto, and just get more eyes on more games. It's so much more accessible, and that's kind of been the best part of this season so far for me is I get to check in on teams like you guys and on, on Florida. That oh, I'm scoreboard watching like A lot. no other it really there are some some good teams and some good games going down almost every single night (laughs) yeah that's one of the things where i like to complain that the nhl parody discussion is kind of a lie because there's only like five teams that can actually win the cup any given year and a lot of teams are just happy to make the playoffs but at the same time it feels like quality of hockey is getting better as i've gotten older we've kind of we've kind of ironed out some of the kinks that yes it's better if everybody is small and fast as opposed to big and slow like it feels crazy that it's taken this long to find efficiency in the type of player you're getting but as i've gotten older i definitely feel like the quality of hockey has gotten better yeah i would agree too i i just wish that the league was more marketable they they don't do a lot to market themselves (laughs) unfortunately like this all-star weekend is probably worse than the pro bowl and like that's saying something i'm i'm hoping to be pleasantly surprised but yeah i just that's such a good sport and it's so fun to watch great players i wish we could see more of their personalities and i feel like this could be a huge sport in the united states if we just marketed it a little bit better and there's enough parity now where you have markets that you can develop both of the Florida teams, Carolina, you have an entire contingent in the Southeast, not including Nashville and Dallas, who have made 
cup final appearances this decade. California is kind of in a weird spot right now because all three of those teams are rebuilding. But Vegas is there. Vegas is going to be a legitimate cup contender for the next few years. The NHL has enough talent dispersed around the league where we don't just have to have the Leafs playing the Rangers or the Red Wings playing the Bruins because the original six marketing is easy to do. I get it. Those are big fan bases. You're going to get a guaranteed minimum number because those teams are there. But at the same time, Tampa's won three Stanley Cups in the last 20 years. Maybe you should be throwing them in an outdoor game. Vegas is trying to win a Stanley Cup right away as an expansion team. Throw them into things. There's just such a lack of creativity that becomes so frustrating as a fan because hockey's amazing. And there are so many people in the hockey community who want to do great things. And the NHL is just not thinking big enough. And uh, NHL, this message is for Gary Bettman. Nick and I are available anytime for any consulting work you need. We are right here. We have plenty of ideas. It's so, I'll give them credit. They're trying some funky things because it's in Las Vegas. They're doing that, the blackjack game. I don't want to see NHL players count to 21, but we're going to see how well that goes. They're doing that game in the Bellagio Fountain where I'm really hoping somebody falls in just purely for the laughs, but there's enough, there's a, I have a little bit more optimism. I am seeing hockey highlights on SportsCenter again for the first time since I was like six. I'm seeing ESPN social media plugging hockey. That's better than anything we got from NBC in the 10 years that hockey oh was on NBC. Oh my God, yes, you're so right. I, I was so over <laughs> NBC by the end of last year. When I was NBC watching playoff was games on the USA Network, on the USA yeah. Network, I was watching conference final games i was like this is this is it but yeah it's been really cool i think the studio team they have at uh tnt with gretzky and you know biz all these people they're bringing personality to it and like you said seeing hockey clips on sports center seeing overtime goals and things like that like that's that's huge and i think this is the start of hopefully a big growth spurt for the league so i thought of it while we were discussing this how would you say winning the two cups has changed the lightning just right now in terms of how the public interacts with the team, how the team interacts with the public? Is that just everywhere in Amelie Arena? Is it just banners of cups? Is it just people coming out of the woodwork who have never watched hockey before? Or is it more been more of a gradual thing where slowly over the course of the last couple of years, it's kind of grown because the team has been so consistently good for so long now? Well, the Lightning have always done a really good job at building uh, ties with the community. They do a community hero program every single game where they're giving out thousands of dollars to people in the community. So they've built a really good relationship. But obviously, when you win two championships, especially back to back, you're going to have a lot of people more interested in this sport. Um, The Lightning have had excellent attendance for like, I want to say the past seven years. Um, Yeah. But yeah, there's definitely a lot more new fans. Like I've definitely ran into some people on in, on Twitter who started watching in September of last year. And I think that's great. I think it's awesome yeah. because they're probably in this for life now because that's what this does to you. It's like a drug. You win it once yes. and you're like, I want it more. I want it more. I want it more. But it's been really good for the city. I mean, definitely I feel like rent prices have gone up. <laughs> And when you go to downtown Tampa, it's really cool. There, there are just banners like everywhere. Like you'll see Victor Hedman's face on a light post and, and all of this really cool stuff. You don't see that in St. Pete with the Rays at all. So Tampa's definitely like a hockey town, which is, which is very cool for Florida. I mean, it's, yeah. 
it's Florida. So it, it is a really awesome thing. And they've, they've just done great things for the community. Yeah. So, yeah. Have you unironically said Champa Bay in the last two years? Oh, like, yeah. You meant guilty. it like dead seriously? Yeah, yeah totally guilty. Okay. I have it on a t-shirt, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would be obnoxious, too. I, I understand. You've got to. I mean, yeah. you, you've got to. This this might never happen again in my life. Exactly. You know, <laughs> you you got to take advantage of it. So how weird is it for you now, because you've been watching for so long, to be like, yeah, Steven Stamkos is old now? Well, I mean, he's 31. Which In hockey, that's old. In hockey, weird. that's old. I know, but I'm like, I've been watching him since I was 13 years old. <laughs> and I, I like, it's just wild. But he's yeah. playing, you know, at the at near the top of his game right now he's finally had some time to train in the offseason instead of rehab and you can definitely see it in his play but it it is weird we're probably getting to a point where this team the reins are handed over to somebody else and that's going to be very strange i mean and one of the things that it's not just a matter of the lightning just develop all of this talent they know when to move on from people right before the cliff. That's the thing people always ascribe to the Patriots, where Belichick just has that sixth sense of knowing when it's time to move on from somebody before they totally fall off. And the Lightning have done a great job with that, where they got out from under Ben Bishop right before the hips and knees really started to give out on him. They got rid of Tyler Johnson at a time where they needed that money to be able to give Braden Point an extension. And just... How does it feel to have the utmost confidence that your team actually knows what it's doing? Because my team, it doesn't seem like there's a plan. Your team, I know, okay, every single deadline, Breeze Ball is going to rob someone blind, and I just have yep. to deal with that. It's weird how much I trust them. Whenever I see <laughs> some some move going on the waiver wire, someone being sent back to Syracuse, I don't question it. I'm like, something's going on. I don't know what, but I'm sure it's fine. Yeah, it's the utmost confidence. And Breeze probably keeps saying that, you know, we don't have money. We're not going to make any trades and I'm calling bullshit. I've heard it all before. That's what he <laughs> said the past two years. So, but yeah, yeah, I trust him. He's built some really good teams and we were very lucky to have Stevie Y for many years yeah. as well. So it's, it's been a long time of having good ownership and good leadership and having the longest tenure coach in the NHL is also yeah, we haven't even talked. We haven't even talked about John Cooper. We've been doing this like 30 minutes. I haven't even brought up the fact you have like one of the three good coaches. Hey, like, he's not only... an all-star coach. He's not an all-star coach this year. Never but, won but... the Jack Adams either, might I just say. There are 40 white men who get to be hockey coaches. You have one of the good three. There are 40 of them that everybody just passes around. You have one of the good three, okay? It's, it's just, you see all of these teams that are just going through the motions, just if we make the playoffs, it's nice. And then there's the handful that are dead serious about, okay, we have a chance to win a cup. We got to do everything in our power to be able to do it this year. And even if we do everything right, there's no guarantee you're going to win, which is something we've seen a lot in the last few years from teams like Carolina, Vegas. And then you have the weird teams where you get hot at the right time, like Dallas, like St. Louis, like Montreal. And just trying to find where a team fits in that pecking order is one of the more interesting things because the hockey season is so long. Like, it feels like an 82-game season for a sport as physical as hockey seems kind of like overkill. But that the season being so long is just such a key part of the sport. If it was only 56 games, 
you don't get to fully flush out who everybody is. And that was one of the big differences between last year and already this year. I mean, we're already at 45, 46 games right now. And there were only 10 games left in the season last year at this point. So it's really weird just how complicated hockey teams finding who they are is in this process. Yeah, it's definitely a journey. It's yeah. a journey, especially when you look at where teams start in the year and where they finish yeah. it in professional sports. I, I don't think you want to be the best team right out of the gate. Right. Cause inevitably Definitely. you're going to fall off a cliff. So it's about building over these, what is it? Seven, eight months yeah. building towards something, getting the pieces in, making moves at the trade deadline, getting healthy at the right time. And all of these things have to come together in perfect harmony in order yeah. to really make a run. And it's very difficult to do. And that's why it's it's a very rare thing for a team to win, you know, back to back or at what we're trying to do, which is be a, a legitimate dynasty and go for three. So everything just has to line up perfectly. You mentioned before about the defense and injuries. So Bogosian Chernak hurt. How do you feel about the 6D that they've been dressing recently where Hedman has looked a lot better this year. You can tell he actually was able to get healthy over the offseason. McDonough and Sergachev have been together, which their numbers, their underlying numbers aren't amazing, but they're getting tough defensive assignments, so you can live with that. And then the third pair has been kind of patchwork because of the injuries you mentioned. So how, even though the underlying numbers are decent, how would you assess the team's defense so far this year? It's not as good as last year. It's not as good as last year. And I mean, you can attribute that to the injuries. There are certain players, like I don't want to bash anybody because like I said, I'm a positive person, but there are certain players who I feel like have had a little bit of a decline this year. Um, And, you know, I get it. You you spent three months of the summer drinking beer and celebrating winning the cup. There's going to be a little bit of a hangover that comes with that, but definitely defensively, we've got to shore some things up before we hit May. Cause yeah, I'm, I'm not as confident as I was last year. We've had 15 games this season go to overtime and it's just, you don't want that. I don't, I don't yeah. want to be taking my blood pressure medication 15 times, you know, like it's, I, I don't need that. Let's, let's shore some things up, get a little stronger and not have to worry about this shut down defense. It's how you win. You're not criticizing that. You want them to be better. That you right. gotta be think for You want them to be better because they have the capability to be better. That's what I always say. Anytime I criticize anyone, it's, I just want you to do better. Cause I know you can do better. That's all. Right. That's all like, I'm, I'm saying. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. These are my children. I'm older than a lot of the people on my hockey team now, which is awful. Like my own mortality is coming into focus a lot more in sports. It's very bad. I completely agree. I, I'm looking at some of these guys now and I'm like, oh my God, you're actually younger than me now. And I absolutely am not making a million dollars a year. So what's going on? No, definitely <laughs> not. Definitely not. Um, so in terms of the team this year, you mentioned the defense. Replacing the third line hasn't been as easy because one of the underlying points of discussion about the Lightning going back to back has been that you had overachievers on a normal team. Blake Coleman is playing on a second line. Yanni Gord is a second line center on a normal team. You guys were just so deep in the top six that those two guys were able to play in the bottom six. And it's only natural. You're going to have a little bit of a drop off when you have guys who are better situated and more used to playing in the bottom six that 
there's a reason guys play in the bottom six. They can't play X number of minutes per game. They don't have as much high-end talent. And to be able to be as good as they've been without those additional guys, at some point, you just got to you got to feel like you have an embarrassment of riches. You're you're along for the great ride and you're going to have fun with it. And that's kind of something I've been dealing with a lot because my team has been so mid for the last four years. It's just, <laughs> this is supposed to be fun. I shouldn't just be mad all the time. This is a game. It's supposed to be fun. Yeah, for sure. I, I am having a lot of fun. I, I've really enjoyed being able to not be in such a state of despair all the time and dread like it it is because I think you know we talked about this earlier everything that comes after this now is is just gravy right like we've won the two cups I'm not going to be sitting here thinking oh my god I'm never going to see Steven Stamkos lift a cup and to add on to that there's never going to be a question of oh well Steven Stamkos only played one shift in that run for the first cup right then he got to come back and win it in front of everyone like a lot of loose ends were tied up with the yeah. last cup we won. And so right now it, it is an embarrassment of riches. We do have a lot of younger players coming from the farm system, Ross Colton, Matthew Joseph, yeah. Boris Kachuk, Taylor Radish. These are all bottom six guys who are in their rookie year, essentially in the NHL. And it, it's going to be up to them to step up. It It's just the reality of sports, right? The salary cap era, like you can't keep everyone. You lose your favorite players, people move on, people get paid more and all you can do is just enjoy the ride. So that's what I'm trying to do. This is a a really good group and it's a special group. And I've gotten to grow up with a lot of these guys and I'm going to be cheering for them until the day their banners are raised in Amelie. Because right now we have like six guys who could have their jerseys retired i'll be honest and that is that's an embarrassment of riches i was thinking about it while you were talking about i was like in my head stamkos yeah kutrov yeah headman yeah point probably vasilevsky yeah Mm -hmm. and just really quick right there (laughs) so in terms of this season going forward who do you not want to see in the first round of the playoffs because like you mentioned before that division is kind of a bloodbath and you're going to probably end up playing one of Florida or Toronto in that first round. Do you have any real preference or are you kind of of the mindset of my guys will figure it out? Um, well, if we play Toronto in the first round, there's going to be a lot of discourse about Toronto not being able to make it out of the first <laughs> round. And I know God might forsake me and actually let this be the year they do make it out of the first round. Knock and on I don't want to <laughs> right, knocking. I don't yeah. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the guy the Maple Leafs beat out of the first round. That's even worse than being the Maple Leafs. So I don't want them. Um, I don't particularly want Florida either because I'll be honest, they are a different team this year. Yeah. And they have some offense like I have not seen in a long time. I think they scored 77 goals in the month of January, 74, yeah. 77, which is just absurd. They're putting up 10 goal games. It seems like once a week. Um, either of those is going to be tough. Lesser of two evils, I'll say Florida, because I really enjoyed the battle of Florida rivalry. That was like really fun. And one of my good friends is a Florida Panthers fan. And we do a a puck buddies pod where we do the Florida battle of Florida kind of deal. So it would be fun to be able to talk about that. But, uh, yeah, the way these playoffs are set up, it's, it's, it's never going to be the two best teams, you know, in, in the conference final, unfortunately. 
And that's one of the frustrating things about doing the playoffs with the divisional alignment is it puts teams at an unfair advantage where you're better off being one of the wild card teams, which isn't the point, to play teams in the other division. Now, the Metro isn't that much easier, but I do think it's fair to say that Carolina, the Rangers, Washington, Pittsburgh are a little bit lower on the pecking order than, say, Florida or Toronto in terms of the talent they have. Yeah, I would agree. Carolina's had a really good start to the year as well, but it's almost like with the Pens or with Washington, like we know those guys, we've seen them before. We kind of, we've been there with teams like Florida, like they are so new, you know what I'm saying? Like they are, they're, they're showing something that we haven't really seen. And that is a little concerning. Yeah, I mean, eventually the the young plucky team does have to beat somebody. That's the thing. Like Mm -hmm. the the Lightning had to go through all of those traumatic experiences. And then eventually they were the bullies. Now you guys have kind of accomplished your goal and you are one of the teams that's going to be, okay, we think we're ready to contend. If we can beat Tampa, I know we're ready to contend. Yeah, that's very weird because it still doesn't really feel like that. You know, like we spent a lot of years, especially since the first time we won the cup through the first almost five years of Stamkos' NHL career. Those were very dry years. We've made we've made the playoffs, I think, 11 times in franchise history. And the majority of that has been over the past, you know, six or seven seasons. So it's still weird to be kind of now like we're like it almost feels like how people feel about the patriots you know we're like for them to lose like i see a lot of that on twitter like people don't like us and i know i don't want to get into the salary cap kucherov shit i know that's probably on your mind but (laughs) i don't know like i'm a good host (laughs) i know when to drop i know when to drop in the the pointed question to kind of try and make you make you think a little bit but go ahead ahead. no i'm just saying like it's weird to be on the other side of this because i have i've we've been on the losing side. We've been on the, the hungry mentality. And now we're, we're defending, you know, we're not, we're not on the offense. We're defending our title. It's kind of weird. See, one of the things that's happened as I've taken more of a content approach to looking at sports is the teams that win, they win for a reason. Like even the Patriots where everybody on the planet dislikes them. I, I mean, I get tired of seeing them win Super Bowls, but like, they got the best coach of all time, the best quarterback of all time, and they those guys don't sleep, they don't have families, all they do is football. And at some point it's like, well yeah, no shit, they're the best. All they do is football. And you think about it in the context of if I was that good at something and all I had to do was the work for it, I think I would be that insane too. That's kind of the way I've looked at it. It's the same thing with the Lightning. I always am like, I wish my team could develop our prospects. I wish our prospects were good in the NHL right away. I wish my general manager made sense. And it's just, yeah, the people who are good are good for a reason. And the Lightning, very much, they're good for a reason. It's not just, it's not unfounded. I get why people are upset about that, but every other team would do that too. We're going to see Vegas do that very soon when they figure out how they're going to dress their roster when Jack Eichel is healthy. And if they go on to win a cup, I imagine it will be discourse again. Yeah, for sure. The uh, the whole Tom Brady thing, just going back to the Patriots, him coming to Tampa actually taught me a very valuable lesson. And that is that I don't actually hate anybody in sports. 
I don't think, I think I'm just jealous because That's, I hated yeah. Tom like my entire life. And ever since he came to Tampa, I'm the biggest Tom Brady fan you will find in this world. Like I have t-shirts. I love the man. I cried when he retired. And I think it really was just jealousy. He was so methodically, robotically good. And it was very hard to not be on the winning side of the Tom Brady teams. So yeah, I, I, I have respect for every other team in this league, probably except for Florida. I really just don't like Florida on principle. Okay. But yeah. see, that's part of growing up as a sports fan is just realizing the fans of the other teams, they're just crazy like you about someone else. And that's one of the parts of growing up where it's like, I don't need to argue about this. You understand why I'm crazy the way I am. That, oh yeah. I don't of... argue on Twitter anymore. Exactly. Do you argue on Twitter? I'm like, I'm too grown no. for that, you know? <laughs> That's in my Twitter bio is I'm not here to argue. Literally, there you that go. Is in, yeah. Because at some point, it's like, they got to play the games. Let them play the games. We'll see what happens. If anyone's cheating, that's one thing. But, like, every team in the league would have done what Tampa did, would do what Vegas is going to do with Eichel. So I never really got that bent out of shape about it. I understand why the Islander fans in particular were bent out of shape about it. But for me... Well, it's nice to meet the one hockey fan in the world who's not been out of shape about it. I really appreciate that, Nick. I'm just, they had the most talent. There's no salary cap in the playoffs. If you want a salary cap in the playoffs, okay, then make that the rule. But there's not, so. And the Lightning did try to make that a rule and they were voted no by 30 other teams. So that's my fact I like to bring up whenever people try to come at me with the cap shit. (laughs) All right, before I get you out of here, what would you say? All right, don't say a Stanley Cup because that's the very boring answer I know you're going to give anyway. What is your expectation for the rest of this season? Do not say a Stanley Cup. Do, okay. Please don't. Do you want me to shoot lower or do you want me to like... What would you consider a successful season after winning two straight Stanley Cups? Okay. Aside with, from winning a third one. Without winning a, third without winning a third one, a successful season would be beating the Florida Panthers in the playoffs. That's okay. my measured so- goal. That's because, a good answer. See, I'm at least getting us to the second round with that answer. So I'm 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 not quite to the cup, but I'm close. But yeah, I'll, I'll be I, listen, I'll be happy with however this season ends. I always feel very lucky to just be a fan of this team and to watch these players that I love so much be excellent at the sport they play. So I'm very, very lucky. I'll be happy with however this turns out. But I will be happier if we win a cup, which I do believe is going to happen. Must be nice. I know. I'm sorry. You'll get there one day, Nick. <laughs> no, I'm not. It's fine. <laughs> it's Groundhog Day. Every single year, it's, yeah, we have a very good goalie, and that's our plan. That's been the plan my entire life. We have a very good goalie, and we'll figure out the rest. <laughs> oh, God. Poor poor Henrik Lundqvist. Poor my guy. Poor guy. Oh. Poor guy. Hey, they made it up. They made him super handsome, so it balances out. He didn't win anything, but he got to be super handsome, so it balances out. There you go. All right, before I get you out of here, plug some of your work. Um, If you guys are interested in hearing more from me, you can follow me on Twitter. My at is at ShelbsDaMook. And if you want to read any of my blogs or articles, you can find me on 5toolmooks.com. Thank you so much for coming on. This was fun. It was nice to make, it was nice to go from the, uh, the people who interact with each other to now we're going to be sharing the same psychosis together. Yeah, and I think we're going to go to a Taylor Swift concert when we can find a venue that has good acoustics. So, yeah, this was awesome. I really appreciate you having me. Absolutely. All right. 
that will do it for the show today. I hope everybody has a good weekend. There's nothing really exciting going on in the sports world this weekend. I mean, I'm not a Pro Bowl guy. I don't think Shelves is a Pro Bowl guy. I'll watch the skills contest stuff on Friday for the NHL, but not not really beating down the door to watch uh, three-on-three hockey played at half speed on Sunday. So take this weekend off. Go do something outside if you have good weather, maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's a thing. Uh, I'll see you guys on Monday. We'll talk about the very mediocre weekend of sports. And we got guests wall-to-wall next week. So busy content week. Oh, yeah, and the Super Bowl's eight days away. So lots going on. I'll see you guys on Monday. <laughs>